Um, this morning, I have the complete privilege of welcoming um, Carol. She's going to come and speak to us on being equipped for discipleship. Um, Carol is an amazing woman, so I've had the privilege of doing um, been on some teams with her. Um, I'm sure she's going to tell you a lot more of her story, but she's really bold and she's really courageous and she's really inspiring. She's really easy to listen to as well. And I know that she's got some cracking like gems and things that you can just treasure and take home and will impact your youth works. So can we welcome Carol Wilkie, please? Thank you. Wow. Bex, you made me sound amazing. I can hardly wait to hear what I'm going to say this morning. You're obviously in for a treat. Um, Really good to be here. Thank you for having me. I thought I'd start by just introducing myself, telling you a little bit about me, because most of you won't know who I am at all. Um, I'm Carol. I'm married to this hunky man on the front row here, the gorgeous and mighty Phil Wilthie. We've got two teenage kids, Sam... um, He's just turned 16. He's got my height. He's six foot two, tall, kind of slim like his mother. And we've got the beautiful Lauren who's in here today who's 17. Amazing young people. So we love young people. We thought we'd have a couple of our own. Um, I've also been overseeing our youth work at King's Arms Church in Bedford for nearly five years, which I absolutely love. But just so you know a little bit of my story, I was brought up in a family where nobody believed in God. They um, still don't. Um, I was brought up to believe there was once a Big Bang, and from the Big Bang came tadpoles, which turned into monkeys, which turned into me and you. Um, So that's what I was taught to believe. But actually, there was always something in me that just knew that there had to be a God. And I used to look out the window and just say, God, who are you? I want to know you. And I can remember about age three or four... It was one Christmas, we had all the family around my house, and I was given a Christmas cracker, and I pulled it open, and out came this little plastic baby Jesus. I got this little plastic baby Jesus out, and I remember thinking in my heart, I love Jesus. I didn't have a clue who he was. He was a little plastic baby Jesus, but I remember thinking, I love Jesus, and I'm always going to love Jesus. And I got up on my chair in my lounge, and I declared in front of all my family, much to my parents' dismay, I love Jesus, and I'm always going to love him. And that was me. And from that moment, I can remember just night after night looking at the stars, just knowing there was someone out there and having this hunger in me that I had to know him. I had to know him. Who was this person? Who was this God? And I would pray and pray. And I thought you had to pray out loud. So I shared a room with my sister and she had to listen to me praying every night for 20 minutes. God, who are you? And I also prayed for every single one of my pets that I'd had, every rabbit. I called them by name. I asked her God's blessing on them and it's funny every time I had a pet that died I would pray for it to be raised from the dead I'd read nothing in the Bible but I knew whoever this person was whoever this God was he actually had conquered the grave and he was able to bring things and people back to life and um, it was 16 when I finally in the middle of a field all by myself just after a friend had taken an overdose and been rushed to hospital I was part of a street gang in sick up, so I was only like so hard. Um, I, I went out into the middle of the field, I got on my knees and I looked up at the same stars I used to look at when I was, you know, five years old and I just said, God, 
please will you help me? I'll give you my life. And some Christians had recently been into our school and preached the gospel. And I just remember there was something about a cross in there somewhere. There was something about Jesus. And I just said, God, I'm sorry. Please help me. And, you know, as a 16-year-old, all on my own in a field, the presence and the power of God suddenly came on me so powerfully. It was like electricity and peace all mixed in together. And God came on me, and I knew 100% that God was real. And I've, I've never looked that back since. God met with me, he changed me, he transformed me. And you know what, I'm just a five foot three woman in front of you saying I love Jesus. I love Jesus with all my heart. He is good, he is for us, he is better than we realise. He's our heavenly father who loves to reach in and transform lives. And this deal of making disciples is all about... um, world changers, creating world changers to release the kingdom of God, the love of God all over the place. So that's what I'm hoping we'll look at a bit this morning. Um, And in this room, we will have had very different experiences of discipleship. Some of you may have had loads, some of you not very much, but um, right now, whether you've been a youth leader for one minute or for a hundred years, actually, you've been discipling for a long, long time, okay? With every conversation, every time you model in worshiping Jesus, the movies that you choose to watch, when you're hanging out with your friends and young people, we're constantly teaching others something about who God is. And before we look at how to do that well, I really, really wanted to start by saying this. And I want to say a big, big heartfelt thank you. I want to thank you for every hour, every minute that you pour into young people. I want to thank you for every time you're tired on a Wednesday or a Friday night, but you choose to go to youth, to give them your time, to give them your love. I want to thank you for seeing the best in them and calling it out. Because even though I am a youth leader, I'm also a parent and... I don't know how much thanks you get from parents, but I want to stand on behalf of all parents and say thank you for believing in our kids. Thank you for investing in this next generation. Every time you choose to disciple a young person, you are leaving a legacy that will outlive you. Okay, You are doing something that when you are in the grave and in glory with Jesus, actually the legacy that you leave, the choices that you've made in this life, it will go on and on and on and on. So I hope you hear that. Thank you so much. Keep going. You're amazing. You are world changers that are leaving a legacy and you are transforming the next generation with every decision you make. Let me read you something from the Bible because that's always a good thing to do. Okay, this is our Great Commission, Matthew 28. I know you know it well. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. You know, I want to start by asking a simple question. Because discipleship is this. 
It's about world changers, raising up other world changers to change the world with the kingdom of God. I want to ask you a simple question. What is a disciple? And are you one? You know, the Greek word for disciple, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. I asked Phil earlier what he, how he would pronounce it. He didn't really know either. But I could tell you how it's spelled afterwards. But it's, it's methetis. And it simply means this learner. So a disciple of Jesus is someone who is learning how to be like Jesus. It's someone who is learning how to do the things that Jesus is doing. And this is a great quote from A.W. Tozer, not Twoza. Um Only a disciple can make a disciple. Do you know, I love that. And before we look at anything about how we, you and I, make disciples, I want to ask you the question, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you someone who has utterly given your life to follow him, who has surrendered to the God who has saved you and rescued you and given his life to you? Are you a youth leader that has just started going through the motions? Or a Christian who has just started going through the motions? Or are you red hot on fire for the one who is red hot on fire for you? Because Jesus said this. He said, this is eternal life, that you may know me, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. Sorry, know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ who you sent. You know, Jesus never called you and I into a religion. He didn't, and we must never disciple anyone into a religion. This stuff we're going to look at, this is not dead stuff, but it's about a living relationship with God. And I don't know about you, but recently I realized that I'd lost some of my desire, my passion, that love, and I, I just started going through the motions. I love to pray, I love to read my Bible, but there was something missing. And I felt this stirring again recently, this hunger to know the one, this, this same hunger I had as a five-year-old when I used to look out of that window and see those stars and go, God, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to feel your presence. I want to hear your voice. Okay, because he's called us into a living, a living relationship where we can know the joy of encountering him day after day after day. The kingdom, he said, is righteousness, peace and joy. And peace and joy, we, we have to experience them. They affect the expression on our face. It affects what you feel in your heart. And I just want to invite you right now. If you are hungry for more of God, I want to invite you to stand right now. Okay, we're not going to look at any of this stuff until we've cried out to God because I'm so hungry for him. I'm so hungry for his presence. I'm so hungry that anybody that I invest in, that they would go away with some of this. I want to know Jesus, and I can, because his promise to me is that if I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. That's his promise. And he's not a man that he can lie. It is impossible. And he has got so much more for you. You can wake up knowing the joy of God in your heart. You can wake up hearing the voice of God. You can go to bed at night and dream dreams of heaven. 
You are kingdom carriers of his presence. And why don't you just lift your hands to God and just start to lift your voice. Just start to tell him, Jesus, I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you. If you know you've just started going through the motions, it's easy. Just repent. Just say, God, I'm so sorry. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to be a Christian or a youth leader that just does the stuff, but there's no joy. There's no life. God, have my life again. Have my heart. Jesus, I am yours. I am totally yours. Come and fill me again with your spirit. Come and fill me with your presence. Kula baranda. Just keep calling out to Jesus. Give him your heart again. Give him your heart. God, I want more of you. You don't need to be English about it. You just, you go for it however you want. God. Shudarede basuru numundiende. We're hungry, Jesus. We throw off religion today. We throw off a settling for going through the motions. We throw off a just going to church and, and having a quiet time. And we say, Jesus, we want to know you in every cell of our being, in every moment of our day, when we dream at night. God, when we walk down the street, we want to hear your voice. We want to heal the sick, God. We want to raise the dead. We want to do the things that you've done. I just release a new fresh impartation of fire into hearts this morning. New passion, love for the one who loves us. I release wisdom and revelation in this room that we would know Jesus more. Ha. God. Do you know, he's better than you think. He's better than you think. He loves you. He loves you. God. We give you our hearts again. We refuse to settle for anything less than eternal life right now, knowing you, the only true God. Ha! Shudarada, we must have more. We must have more. There is so much more. We take you at your promise. We draw near, God, that you would draw near to us. Sudaramata siadadashta. Just keep going. Press in a bit more. Press in. Press in. If you just want to pray in tongues, if you don't know what to say, just pray in tongues or just say, God, I want more. I want more. He says, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Holy Spirit, we want more of you. We want more of you. God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, I pray for those in this room that haven't encountered your presence and your love for a long time. I want to prophesy over you. If if that's you, just lift your hands again. Lift them to God. You're looking to him. I just want to prophesy over you that everything changes from today. Everything changes because he made you to encounter his presence. It's not all about feelings, but you know what? Love is is something to be encountered. Peace is something to be encountered. Healing is something to be encountered. 
prophesy no more going through the motions for you. That's not your inheritance. Your inheritance is life in all its fullness. And I just want to release life in all its fullness right now. And I just want to cut off and break off anything that is holding you back. Right, in this room, I just command any spirit of fear and doubt to go, to be gone in the name of Jesus. Any spirit of infirmity or sickness that holds you back. If you're held back because of pain, just lift your hands. Father, I pray that you would release a new level of healing in this room. A new level of healing over bodies, over minds, over spirits. And I want to release new tongues. If you want a, a new freedom in the area of the gift of tongues, just lift your voice and lift your hands to him. I just feel like God wants to bring a new release of languages This is a heavenly language where we get to communicate direct with God. And I just want to release new tongues in this room right now. New heavenly languages. New earthly languages. For you to encounter God. For you to worship him. For you to know him. When you don't know what to pray, just release an increase right now. Just start praying out in tongues. Just start praying out. Sing out. Do what you want to do. There's a new release coming. There's languages that are going to bring breakthrough. There's languages that are going to shift atmospheres and bring change. Shuda rana manda sulele barande. Idia rada basuro nodo dusu yede baranda. Be filled, be filled, be filled. I just release freedom, God. Freedom to know you more. Freedom to know your love. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good. We worship you. We worship you. You are our King of kings and our Lord of lords. There's no one else we want, God. We say yes to you. We say yes to you. Just say yes to him. Give him your life again. Give him your whole heart. Jesus, we say yes. We say yes, God. Wherever you tell us to go, whatever you tell us to do, we want to be those that are following you with all our hearts. God. God, we want you, God. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Lord, this is your world. This is your world. We are yours. We throw off everything that hinders us. We throw off every sin. We throw off everything that entangles. And we fix our eyes on you, King Jesus. King Jesus. Ha! Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Just keep receiving from him. So Jesus talked about uh, wine needing new wineskins. And uh, he was talking about the spirit. He's talking about God's presence needs to be housed in a new wineskin. And uh, do you know the most, most important thing about the wineskin is that the wineskin exists for the wine and not the other way around. And if we really want to disciple people effectively, we've got to be people who are enjoying Jesus ourselves. 
We, we've, we've got to be in a relationship that you can recommend to somebody else. You've got to say, I have tasted and seen that God is good. Therefore, let me help you enjoy him as well. And I just get this sense today that just for a moment, God wants you to take off your youth leader hat and just take a moment as a son and a daughter just to drink again from the presence and the spirit of God and just to, to take your eye off the wineskin just for a moment and to say, do you know what, if I'm going to build a great wineskin, I've got to enjoy the wine. It's like when you're on a plane, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. Before you help anyone else, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on first. And so just where you are, lift your hands to the Lord. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you for your presence in this room right now. And we just come to drink. We come to enjoy. We come to receive. We thank you that our inheritance is to know and enjoy our Father forever. Lord, we thank you that you said if anyone is thirsty, he could come to you and drink. And rivers of living water would flow from within. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray right now for fresh outpouring of your presence and power in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just where you are, just begin to express your hunger for more of him. Thank you, God. Do you know, I'm really happy with messiness. If you need to stay standing or laying down, you are free to. You can keep receiving. If you're able... I'd love you to take your seat, but just so you know, I'm good with a bit of mess, so do whatever you need to do to keep meeting with God. Um, I've got a good, strong 14 minutes now to do a a one-hour seminar, but do you know what? That's okay. If you remember nothing that I'm about to say, remember this, okay? Make room for God, okay? Be being filled up. Make sure you are encountering the God who made you to know him. Okay, let's not go through the motions. Let's, let's not live a religious life. Okay, but, and I just also want you to remember that God, he cares about you. There are dreams in your heart. Some of you, you've been stuffing down your dreams because you've wanted to do the good Christian thing and the right thing. Actually, God made us dreamers. dreamers. He gave us imaginations. Okay, and actually he's calling to many dreams in your heart and he's calling them out. He's saying, this is your destiny. I made you for amazing things. I made you to dream dreams that are big and scary. Dreams that need me to come and break in. You know, the moment you signed up to become a Christian, you signed up for believing in the impossible because you believed in a resurrection. Christianity is founded on an impossible thing. Okay, this is mission impossible that you and I signed up for. And actually our lives should be full and overflowing with the impossible all over the place. Okay, and also he didn't call you for the boring. Some of you have settled for some boring stuff. And I don't mean not being faithful with things. I know there's, you know, I need to get up and do the washing up. I get it. That is pretty boring. But actually, for some of us, we've settled for a boring life. God loves you way more than that. He loves you way more. The excitement isn't all on the outside of the kingdom. It's all on the inside of the kingdom. We're the ones who take it to the rest of the world. I now have no idea what to do with my notes in front of me. And, you know, if you want to just close your eyes and not listen to me, I'm not offended, okay? 
Um, you just keep meeting with God. But I'm going to try and teach you a few things. Um, <laughs> thanks, Lord. <laughs> okay. So that... Yeah, there you go. We can all go home and have lunch now. So that was all under what is a disciple. <laughs> what, is a, what is discipleship? It's this. It's the relational process of learning how to be like Jesus. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but everything's very easy when there's no other people around. Okay, but God has put us in a family. I know it's messy. I know it can be painful sometimes. And yet there is so much joy being part of a family. Okay, God made us to be in community. It's in community, it's in relationship, it's in friendship that actually we are discipled to become more like Jesus. It's in the place of friendship that we encourage and build one another up. It's there that we confess our sin and we can know healing, we can pray for one another. And, um, you know, the Bible talks about being iron that sharpens iron, praying together, seeking God together, having the brave conversation. This happens in community. So as High School Musical puts it, we are all in this together. Okay. Do you want me to sing to you right now? I know you do, but I've only got 11 minutes, so um, (laughs) 10 in fact. I'll get Phil to stay and sing afterwards. You can listen to him. Okay, so that's what discipleship is. It's all from relationship. Where does this happen? Well, again, looking at Jesus' life, it happened in so many different ways. Okay, Jesus wasn't fair with his discipleship. There were times when he just drew the three close, didn't he? Peter, James, and... Bob, whatever, Bob, Bill, and no, Peter, James, and John. Um, There were times when he actually called the 12 to himself. There were times when he um, gathered with many others. And there were times when he stood on a mountaintop and he preached to the thousands. All of this is discipleship. And we've got to get it in our head that discipleship is not when you and I sit in a room with five, six, seven young people and we read our Bible. That is part of discipleship, but it's so much bigger than that. It happens when you are shopping with a young person by your side. It happens when you're watching a movie with them and you fast forward the dodgy scene. It happens when you're talking about your battles with God, when you're being authentic, when you're being real. It it happens when you're inviting them into your family to come and have dinner with you and your kids. Discipleship happens in every context, and it's so vital that we learn to disciple well. Because if we don't, the world will do it for us. And our young people will end up somewhere by accident because we haven't intentionally, relationally discipled them. So looking at these different places where Jesus discipled, um, it actually, surprisingly and interestingly, um, corresponds with what sociologists now recognize as the four learning spaces in our lives. Okay, Jesus done it first, okay? Just saying to all the sociologists out there, Jesus knew it, he'd done it, and he'd done a good job. Okay, the four spaces in our lives where discipleship happens. One, the intimate space. Two, the personal space, the social space, and the public space. And I'm going to really, really briefly just talk about a few of these, and I will just stop when you guys give me the sign. So, um, but you might have to dance along the front for me to see you because I'm going to avoid eye contact now at all costs. 
Okay, so the intimate space. This is where we gather with one or two people. It's very personal. It's where we're really digging deep and we're helping one another in our relationship with God. Um, With Paul and Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, my true son in the faith. That's how he described him. You know, they wrote some of the Bible together. They went on journeys together. They even got circumcised together. I mean, I'm just here to give you ideas, you know. You, you take what you want to take and you chuck out what you want. You can read about that in Philippians 2 and 1 Timothy 2. Um, and can I just say, in this, in this space, because it's the place where, um, you know, we're going really, really deep. Because I might not have time to say it later, can I say right now, in this place, when we are discipling others, we are not going for behavior modification. We are not calling our young people to conform to what we want them to do. And I'd like to say that to parents as well. We're going for the heart. Okay, it's about reminding our young people who they are, that they can live out of their very identity, that they are sons and daughters of the living God who made all things, who made them as royalty. That is why we are able to behave in a way that makes the world see us as light shining in dark places. I know there's a time where we say, mate, you need to stop doing that. But that's not the heart of it. The spirit is... Because you are so much better than that. Because this is who you are. You don't want to do that because this is who you are. You're so much better than that. It's about calling great things out of our young people. That's the intimate space. The personal space, this is like the the three to ten people. This is probably what your discipleship groups or your small groups kind of look like. I love these groups. These are really, really fun. And the kind of stuff I've done in these groups is, um, you know, I had a bunch of girls around. We're eating cookies. We're making hot chocolates. We're learning how to hear the voice of God in a safe place. This is the place where we get to learn things and have a go. And they don't need to be embarrassed if they get it wrong because we're there encouraging one another, building one another up. It's small enough to build meaningful relationships, have mutual accountability, high commitment, and yet there's challenge and there's love that comes in. And I'm sure you've got loads of ideas of stuff that you can do there. And the social space, this is 20 to 50 people. This is probably your youth group, possibly. Um, For some of us, it's our churches. And again, it's a little bit bigger. um, And it's large enough to have missional impact. It's a large enough space to actually make friendships that are wider than your little close clique. It's a place where outsiders can come in and learn to be a part of it. There's a sense of team, common shared goals. And it's a place where training can happen. Um, Again, you see Jesus doing this, standing on a level place and just teaching those that gathered around him. Um, young people thrive on this space. They love it. Make sure you're having a context. If you're a very, very small youth group of maybe a handful, making sh- make sure you're creating um, a space where they can come and be part of something bigger so they remember, actually, there's more of us that are changing the world so that they can learn from different gifts outside what you've got going on. 
And then the public space, okay, this is like 50 plus people. I mean, this is your church, your regional events. This is New Day, okay? This is the drawing people into a big place so that they can encounter God, where you're um, drawing on ministries, where there's times of worship, where there's inspiration, where there's a call to vision and mission and taking over the world. And come on, guys, we're going to bring revival for Jesus. This is the place where we're inspired, And again, you can see um, in Acts, in those days, the number of disciples were increasing, so the word of God spread rapidly, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And all I want to ask you briefly on this is, how are these four learning spaces um, happening in your youth work? Um, Where do you maybe need some help? Where do you need to grow? All of this is discipleship, all of it. Okay, what do we want our lung, our lung people, our young people to learn? Well, I'm going to tell you in three minutes. Okay, can any of you see this, what I've drawn on here? The front row can see it, so they're going to be all right. Okay, it's really clear for them, that's good. Okay, what do we want our young people to learn? Can I suggest we're going for three-dimensional discipleship? There's three things that we're wanting our young people to learn. And if you can't see what's on this board, I've drawn a triangle. At the top, you've got your up, which is connection. At the bottom, you've got your in, which is your character and community. And here, pointing out, you've got your out, which is your calling. And I'm going to speak really briefly about this. Jesus, help me. Lord, you know when you stopped the sun for Joshua and then when they were fighting? I'm just saying. Um, Okay, so the first thing that we want to be teaching our young people in discipleship is this, learning to connect with God, learning to build that deep living relationship with God, the stuff that we've just been going for for half an hour and hopefully bringing alive again. We want to help our young people to know, guys, this is not about religion for you. There's not rules here that I just want you to follow. But God made you for fullness of life, okay? This is where they learn the disciplines that lead to delight. I believe in discipline. I set my alarm and I get up and I spend time with Jesus. I would be lying to you if I said I did it every day, okay? But most days, this is part of my life, okay? I love to spend time with him. I love the word of God. I love it, okay? And these disciplines are about, they always lead us to a person, They're not great in and of themselves, okay? They lead us to a person, to Jesus every single time. And he knows that, and that's why he calls us to this. Um, How are you helping your young people to connect with Jesus? And we can learn from the SAS. Their mantra is this in training. Explanation, demonstration, imitation. And as far as intimacy with God goes, um, you know, We can call our young people alongside us. We can tell them what it's like for us. This is how I learned to pray. You can get them to pray alongside you, and then you can send them away to do it. And um, we've got some tools that we've been working on at King's Arms. I'm not going to have time. I really wanted to show you some of these. Can I encourage you, when you leave here, download the King's Arms app. It's all free. Go to Discipleship Tools. Okay, because what um, the guys, I made it sound like I've been helping actually develop them. I haven't. But I've been enjoying them since they um, have been creating them. And in these tools, what we've done is, um, they have done, is um, created tools to help you. So any young person can come to you and say, how do I pray? 
And you can access these tools and teach them how to pray. You can draw these symbols. They're all based on the symbols you would find on a keyboard. So the one I love the most, it's called Power Up and Start With Prayer. I told you I'm not going to do it. I can feel myself just going there. Um, You know what the start button looks like? Big circle. And then start with prayer. You've got your S-T-A-R-T. I think that's how you spell start. Um, and it's all based on the Lord's Prayer. I'm going there, aren't I? I can feel, I can feel myself. Okay, this, this is just really, really important. Okay, so you can bring up your app. You can bring up your Let's Start With Prayer. And you go to your S. The starting place is S, which stands for sonship. How does the Lord's Prayer start? Our Father in heaven. And I can teach my young person, this is how I would pray. This is how I start with sonship. I would pray and I would thank God that he's my father. I would thank him and I would demonstrate to them, Father, I thank you that you're my God, that you're my dad, that I'm your child. And I would show them how I would start with prayer. T, I would then show them how I would go to Thanksgiving. And I would, you know, ask them what they're thankful for. Let's thank God for who he is. What do we know about God? Oh, he's faithful. He's good. He's glorious. He's mighty. He's won the victory, right? Let's thank him for that. What do you love that God's given you? I love sausages. Great. Let's thank him for that. And we'll have a time of thanksgiving. S-T-A, asking. And again with asking, I would always start with a let your kingdom come and your will be done that we're teaching our young people how to pray for the world out there. Because what I discovered more and more is um, the young people I was discipling, they were great at asking, but it was more of the daily bread. Actually, Lord, I would really love this, and I saw a great pair of jeans in, you know, next. I would really love them. Could you get my parents to give me some money? You know, um, you know there's a whole lot more. We need our young people to know that our, our prayers are powerful. Our prayers change the world. Actually, Jesus has made it so that when we say, let your kingdom come and your will be done, guess what happens? His kingdom comes and his will is released. When we're praying for the sick, do you know what happens? They get healed. Not every time, but that's why we keep going. Okay, and then there's R, which is repent and forgive, and then T, which is truth. Again, the truth is, you know, our Father is victorious. He hears every one of our prayers. So that's just a little example that I'm not going to give you, okay, of one, or, or what the tools are. I just couldn't help that because I love prayer. And we've got ones on how to read the Bible. And it's great because you're sitting there with them. You can flip them up on your phone, which looks pretty cool. Um, and it's just all there for you. So any question a young person comes and asks you, how do I get guidance? How do I hear the voice of God? There's one about praying through stuff at inner healing. You need me to stop. Was that the dance? Yes, that was the dance. Just give your last point. Live, give my last point. Oh, which one shall I pick? Oh, can I? Okay, this is something else I really want to say, okay? So under the character, I mean, I'm going to do it really quickly. It's my last point. Don't you worry. Your lunch is waiting for you. Under character, there's loads of brilliant things I want to tell you, but this is the most brilliant. Um, We must teach our young people to think biblically. Okay, our convictions must come not from the opinions of youth leaders or great people or the world around us, but from the Bible. And I want to give you an example. I was chatting to some of my youth leaders recently. In fact, I'm going to give you two examples. First one is identity. The world has got a lot to say about our young people's identity. It is a right load of rubbish, and we must get in there and help them to know that they are loved, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that the world stuff is a right load of 
You know what I want to say right now, and I then, because it might be being recorded. Okay, so go for identity. Psalm 139, Ephesians, they're loved, they're adopted. Go big on identity, okay? They need to know who they are, because the world is telling them a whole bunch of lies. And then another example, and it's about purity, actually. And I was chatting to my youth leaders about if kissing and snogging is okay. Okay, and they had some different opinions. Different people had told them different stuff. And, um you know, people that they respect. And it was like, yeah, well, actually, the Bible doesn't really say anything about snogging, so we don't know. We've got to make up our opinion. And I was like, actually, let's look at a couple of verses. And we went to this one, 1 Timothy 5. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And then I asked them the question, how do you kiss your sister? How do you touch your brother? What is absolute purity like? Because unless he's your husband or she's your wife, they're your brother or sister and potentially someone else's husband or wife. Is it okay for me to snog someone else's husband? No, it isn't. Okay, that's a freebie. That's just an example of learning to think biblically. Why don't we stand up? Let's thank God. I'm so sorry I can't teach you anything else. It was really, really good stuff. But Okay. Jesus. Amen.